everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, gosh, the guy that we all just love, Mr. Daniel Arnellis. What is up, man? Man, I'm so good. I'm loving life. All things are good and glorious. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, about- are you just trying to speak something into existence right now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I've, been, I've yeah. been doing the same. <laughs> That's good. Well, what you been up to there, Jason? Man, I've just been playing around. I've been having some fun. Uh, you know, we I I dabble. You know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. I like dabble with recording and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's I don't know. I kind of had this. I, I I vary so much between feeling really great about it and feeling really terrible about it. And I <laughs> and I recorded this song that I'd, I'd written. I was like, okay, I want to do a demo for that. And I spent like all Sunday afternoon trying to make it good. And I was just like, maybe this song is just bad. Like, I, I, we sing this at church all the time. I can't do it. And like, I came away, I was so frustrated. Like, my wife is like, what's wrong? I'm just like, nothing, you know? <laughs> and then and then this morning I get up and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And so what I ended up doing, and I ended up recording, I was like, oh, cool. Now if I can just learn to sing, it'll be great. So so that's what I have. I have teachers to help me do that now at Worship Artistry. Great but, voice. You have a great voice. But, uh, but the funny thing is, like, how quickly I was able to knock it out. And I like, I think I tapped into something is I actually found a song that I really like. And I was like, this song has like the right, it, my song doesn't sound like it, but it has the right tones. All right. It has like the right, mm-hmm. like this Feel. is what my band would sound. It sound like it has the right guitars. And I like how that sounds. And so I just recorded that song. I like listened to it and figured it out and like matched it all. And then I would, and then I just deleted everything I recorded and just kept all the settings and then recorded my song. And I was like, there it is. So it's glorious, man. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. I will hate it tomorrow. I'm sure of, but <laughs> that's what all artists, all artists are like that. My wife's a painter and she, she has these like amazing paintings that she does. And sometimes she's like all excited about two thirds of the way through the painting. She's so stoked where it's going. And then one day she walks up to me and she's just miserable and she says, I hate my painting. And I'm like, you got to stick with it. And I know. Then, and then she's you... sort of, yeah, it's, it's terrible. How do you get past that? Like, I always wonder, you know, these, these guys, like, for example, you know, we've talked with Michael Farron on the podcast before and, you know, he'll say something like, you know, yeah, you know, you should always feel like your next song is going to be the best song ever, you know? And I would just wonder if sometimes these guys just cycle through songs so fast that they don't have time to think about how much they hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's not like they don't they don't get to overanalyze. They're just like boom 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 boom. Like this song I recorded, I was like, I did it in an hour and I was just like done. And now I'm all That's excited awesome. about it. And I need to not listen to it ever again now. And I'll That's still true. feel like it's good. You <laughs> know what I mean? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. It, I always have people say, like, I don't remember who told me this one time. They said, you got to think of it as a snapshot of your life where, where you're at right now instead of it being your opus. You know, like, it's got to be the, the legacy you're leaving behind. It's like, where are you at right now? And in five years' time, you'll hate it because it was back then. Like, if I listen to my naked lyric re- recordings, I'm like, oh, those sound terrible. But they were great at the time. And let them be in the time frame they were in and let them just live there and be happy there. You know? So much and wisdom. So, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And then also, like, you know... When you when you have this, you know, when some people have kids, they they're so paranoid about their kids doing what they didn't do with their lives, and they live vicariously, and they're terrified that their children aren't going to become a doctor or whatever it is, and so they agonize and agonize over what their kids are doing with their lives, instead of saying, "Hey, let you be what you want to be," and then relax and let their kids do what you know, grow into what they're going to do and be good at what they're good at. It's the same as a song. If you let your just let your song be what it is. And then just relax and say that it is what it is. It's either it's either it's as good as it's ever going to be. If it's great and if someone loves it, great. If it's not, then and you take all that pressure off it. That's the only way I get by. Otherwise, I'd shoot myself when I write songs too. <laughs> well, you're actually doing stuff with them too. Like I literally do, like I do them so I can sing them at my church, and I'm recording them just for fun. Like that's the only yeah. reason. Like I show you sometimes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Like that's that's about a, as far as it goes. And it's, it's kind of funny because it's like you just, you're compelled to do it. Like I feel compelled to write music and to, to write worship songs for my church. And I feel compelled then to find some way to track them. I think, cause that's just always what I used to do when I was trying to make it in the band world. And so, yep. so I, there's, they're only just for fun, but I just get super self-critical and you're just like, I hate everything about this. And then you listen to other music that you really love and you realize, oh, that's not perfect either. Exactly. Okay. And like that, if I can just be okay with that, 
maybe maybe I'll find some satisfaction in my life. <laughs> yeah, we, we 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 both love that Civil Twilight band, or you know Steve McKellar, my buddy that writes for that band and sings in that band. And he, he I remember it's him telling me one time after one of the amazing albums that they released. I said, what do you think of it? And he was like, well, listening to it now, I can hear all the mistakes in it. And I, and it bugs me, but I mean, I'll just let it be what it is. And it's uh, even that music, which I think this, it, to me is flawless. There's, you know, when you're the creator, you, you see all the little stuff behind the stage that's that's in the wings of the, of the, of the, of the stage that, that like the props and all the stuff that you, that puts the show together that, that, that are behind that. And you know everything, all the working inside and out of it, and you hate some of it. But the actual show itself is its work of art and let people just love it for what it is. Right. Well, you can kind of like get that way. I, I know, you know, you, we, I, I, was ta- I was talking in my Facebook group with a couple guys and just how some of the, how critical we get of our own performance even on a Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Or like, absolutely. Like, oh my gosh, I messed that up and I hit that wrong thing. We started that too fast. And usually those are all the times that everyone's like, that was the most, that was so amazing. Like God touched me so much in that moment. And just being okay, like, and I've become okay with that with worship. I'm just like, I'm just here. I'm just here doing my best. We'll see what God does. Great. You know, like that's all, <laughs> yeah. that's all I can do. But still when I'm recording my own songs, it's, it's torturous. Yep. I just need to th- have like a trash can that I throw them all in. Like be one of those artists that like you make something and then you just let the sea take it away. <laughs> you know, it's like, just, just take, take the file, take my hard drive and throw it in the ocean, but not in the ocean. That's littering. <laughs> Put in the garbage, maybe. <laughs> Just stick it in the microwave. <laughs> then That'll do then, it. Then you're going through microwaves every day. It's like the worst. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, well. Speaking have, of microwaves. <laughs> speaking of microwaves, we have Ryan Dahl from Praise Charts here. <laughs> That's awesome. No, oh, I'm very I, cool. I'm actually really excited to have Ryan here. Uh, Ryan. I want to tell you about him just for a second. You know, Ryan Dahl uh, is the is the creator of Praise Charts, and for us, you know, when worship artistry started, we had no we had no grid. Like the, nobody was doing what we were doing, and so like even just figuring out licensing and and how do, are we allowed to use these songs? We want to teach these songs the way they are in the record. Can we use the records? Like all those things. And uh, Ryan Dahl saw us. We had like an ad or something. Uh, when we were just kind of getting launched and he saw it and immediately reached out and he's really become a guy in my life that like we get he, he lives right over the border in Canada which I can't go see him now because it's closed but when it opens again I'm gonna go see him and uh, but like he's just been a a very steady presence he's somebody who always kind of looks at the bigger picture and he's always kind of like looking for quality of life and he just kind of helps keep your brain in a good space and he's just somebody I really respect. And he really is a pioneer. Like when Praise Charts mm-hmm. started, they were the only ones that had gone ahead. Of, like we got to be on the back of what they've done. You know, That's and, awesome. And it's it's incredible. And so I was like, dude, just come on the podcast, man. Let's let's talk and hang out. And, uh, and so, so well, we I got can't on. Wait. So without further ado, Mr. Ryan Dahl. Praise charts, uh, czar, as well as cornhole <laughs> aficionado, uh, Ryan Dahl. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Well, thank you. You got my title just perfect. Did you read that off my business card? <laughs> Do you still have business cards? I can't believe how you know people still think of me as some cornhole person. It's a it's a precarious word, you know. It's interpreted different ways with different people, but uh, it's part of my quirky side. And uh, I love games, I love competition, I love playfulness, I love board games, I love uh, hanging out with people and conversations like this. So there you go. Well, I think, I think any sport that you can play while you're grilling is a good sport. <laughs> That's you're just right. set. Yeah, for sure. Do you play now? Sure. Now, when you play, I don't know what like tournament rules are, but do you play where if you get to 13, you have to go back to zero? And then to, oh, if you go over 21, oh, no. you go back to 13, or do you just go straight through? No, you go straight through. It's like it could be 20 to 20, and the tension is thick <laughs> and high. And it's the person who gets the single next point. I've had some of the best moments. Like I played with a 10-year-old uh, the other like couple months ago. He was my partner, and it was 20 to 20. 
And then we threw the winning bag and this kid ran from the other side of the court to me and leapt into my arms. And then I like twirled him around. That's kind of like the vibe that I go for. Because I was just amazing. so awesome that I took this 10-year-old and, you know, together we took it to the top and won and everyone's cheering and laughing. And, and so anyways, I love, those are like the most amazing moments when you can like feel the tension. And I've got pictures, sometimes I'll sit with my iPhone watching other people play in these moments and I just sit there ready to click when the bag lands because that's when the face just erupts right and so i got lots of good pictures of that yeah we uh we did one we do every every father's day my church does a guy's day and so we we actually take sunday off and we just do a saturday and it's just like golf all day go play cornhole or whatever and one one year we had just a bunch of boards all set up and me and one guy were playing these other two guys and it was one of those games where it was just like, I think we scored 500 points because we just kept going backwards, kept going back, like going over. And yeah. it was like, we just scored 500 and somehow like we're, we're two points apart. <laughs> you know? No, crazy. It is a, it is a brutal game. It's not for the faint of heart. That's right. That's right. That's right. You got to have nerves <laughs> of steel. Well, uh, so, I mean, I guess, I guess in a sense, you know, cornhole is probably the right yard game to play in this time of social distancing and uh all the things that we're doing in our crazy world today yeah and uh and i thought it would be great to talk with you because uh you you know you've run praise charts i mean you dude you're the og i mean when <laughs> when 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 we first started coming out and going hey you know we want to you know we got to nashville and we we're like hey we want to make this website we need to do this licensing nobody knew what to do everyone was like are you going to be like napster are you going to steal all our money and you're like no <laughs> nobody cares nobody wants to just listen to our lessons okay like it'd be weird yeah, right. but everybody was like you need to go talk to ryan over at praise charts that guy's that guy's <laughs> the one that has paved the way to make this happen because you did all the work and we got to piggyback on, on your work, which still took like another couple of years. And now everyone's getting a piggyback on our stuff as well. So, um, you have, but you have been doing this for a long time. And, yeah. uh, so I do, I do really look up to you and respect you. And, but your office is one where you guys are spread all over the place. You create charts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do a lot of things now, but you're not all, you have, you have some centralized stuff, but you've, really built a culture with your employees. So I wanted to ask you just initially, like what is your, what is your setup like in terms of your company and how everyone works? Yeah. Well, we're located in a little town called Murrayville, British Columbia, which is a part of Langley, which is kind of an, you know, a suburb of Vancouver in uh, the South of British Columbia. So I'm full on Canadian God's and country. Got mountains and rivers and oceans and all of that good stuff all surrounding me. So, so in this little town of Murrayville, we found some like little building and got the bottom, you know, left-hand side of it, about 1500 square feet. And it, like I was telling you before, it was an old nineties feeling corporate office, very uninspiring type of place. But I have, uh, several times in my life have a pattern of like going into a space and I can see a space and just envision if I would give this, you know, six weeks or a couple of months or something, I could just transform this into a place that I would want to be. It's almost like a personal, you know, super makeover reality show that I'm living for myself. And I have a particular style that I really like. I just, I mean, it's a Nashville kind of inspired style where I love old woods. I love steel. I love, um, you know, I love the color red, go figure with praise charts. <laughs> so just a little dash of red and then, you know, barnwood and brick. And then I like the vibe of technology. So like, you know, televisions or screens or, you know, computer monitors, but just like nicely spaced around and then very minimalist. So trying to hide cords and, and all of that. I'm sure most people listening can just envision because it's a very much a modern style that many people have adopted right now. So I've probably created spaces like this where I've significantly invested time at least three or four times um, as early as when I was a teenager in the basement of my house, I literally like pulled out cardboard boxes 
found a corner in the basement and I transformed it into an old cabin. One wall was just a giant mural of a waterfall. I put like a, you know, a deck railing in front of it. And I, it was just like super emotive. And I would just go down there. I set my piano up. I had an old Roland piano and a little MIDI thing. And these are like, we're talking 1989 here back then. And then, uh, did the same thing in my last house and then this office. So it does come from a very authentic place. I like to be able to want to come to work, you know, want to come and just think, dream, work, create, surroundings affect us. So I'm totally into that. So how is, so how Ooh. then was it, you know, I think, I think we're all used to, we're so used to coming together working together, mm -hmm. playing together. And now we've been put in these scenarios where people are creating videos or you're not seeing your team a ton, you know, how does yeah. with, you know, you have your office space, that's kind of your centralized area. Did you guys right. still come together like during the COVID thing or were you all guys all kind of pushed, pushed in different directions? Yeah. One of the best experiences I had was two years ago, we had our 20th anniversary for praise charts. So we started in 1998 and we like took time and invested and literally like flew people from all over the country up to, you know, be with us. We had this big weekend party. So that was an incredible, like interpersonal bonding time with many people that I'd barely ever met or seen in, you know, in live person. But nowadays, I mean, the reality is I don't have the ability to socially connect like to really work with more than about four or five people more than that and it's like i like the people but it just too much activity kind of stresses me out and takes the focus away so between you and me i love the fact that there's only just a couple of us in this office everybody else is in their own space and then we have like little tools that we use for regular communication like i have this boxer app which i use which is for voice, you know, voice texting, because I like to hear people's voice. I like the sound, the inflections, the intent, all of that. So just texting or just email sometimes isn't good enough for that. So I have like another ring of my team that we talk a lot. But what I love about Voxer is I'm not constantly picking up the phone going, oh, crap, everyone's calling me. Like, So it's just I just go to that app and I collect the messages when I have time or when I'm driving or something. And then I talk and they do the same. Cause most of the people that I work with, like some of my key team members are moms of special needs kids in regular homes. Like that's, that's the core of praise charts. So they have really important lives that surround the very important lives that they do in praise charts. And I try to respect and honor that so that you know they can do what god's called them to do and then i think they need praise charts also as a bit of an outlet to feel like they're contributing to you know an adult oriented you know vibrant productive world so, so that's kind of how we roll so how do you so since you have so many people that do work remotely how do mm -hmm. you guys how do, you, how do you support those members and make them still feel like they're part of a team? Cause I, I'm, I'm in the same, you know, I'm in the spot where we have a small group here in Bellingham and then we have like kind of our main Nashville, but I also have people spread all over and it is, it's always challenging. And I'm running into the same thing with my worship team, even though we're in the same yeah. town, just finding ways to, to get together, to connect, to actually continue right. to move that culture forward. How do you do that when yeah. you've got people all over the place or do you just ignore them? No, but like, I think I should be totally honest. I don't think I'm amazing at it. I think more often than not, I think to myself, man, I need to get this team together more often. Like we had a couple of Christmas Zoom times and we just launched a new version of Praise Charts and I had a Zoom meeting where we try to celebrate that, you know, and I see nine or 10 people on the screen and I realize Oh, man, like these people, they don't really know each other. I know them all. It's a little bit awkward. And I wish in my deep spirit that I was like, I wish we did this more often. I wish I saw them more. So honestly, I spend a lot of time wishing that I was doing more of even you and me just sitting here 
like we are. We're looking at each other in, you know, the Skype window and talking. But but I like I really like you. You know, I like the relationship that we have. And we've had some great meals and meetings and walks or whatever together in the past. But it's so easy. We can do this. This is this is real relationship. Right. So um, like I just I just honestly I can only really connect with a certain number of people and then I have to trust that they're also going to interconnect with their group of people and in praise charts we have lots of like um you know it's almost like overlapping circles where everybody has their their zones their people and it's not like we're that big of a company you know we only have 30 or 35 people that work in this world but everybody's got to have their circles where they flow in and then every now and then we'll cross over and get a sense of the big picture together. So Jason, I don't know if I'm the guy to follow. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not the guru in that, the OG or whatever that word is or that letters <laughs> that you said. The uh, I'm trying gangster. my best. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, uh, so I want I wanted to talk a little bit about adaptation because you, um, you know, when this whole COVID thing first hit, right? I mean, your your business is making charts that churches use for the most part, yeah. right? Like that's the main thing that you guys do. And when yeah. church gatherings stopped, how did you survive? I know. Or did you just bunker I'm down in your sweet same... office space? Okay, more honesty. It's like in, in the third week of March... It was scary <laughs> because uh, like a lot of us in this, you know, music world, uh, you, I could t show you the date when things just took a fall. And it wasn't like that's not when COVID started, but it's the day that people realized COVID was real. You know, it was about the third week of March and suddenly everyone just took it seriously. So. Um, yeah, I, I turned 50 last year. I just had gone out. I was buying myself a set of golf clubs for my 50th birthday nice. from my wife. Of course. I mean, <laughs> I bought it from my wife to me. I was so grateful. I remember it was on a Thursday and literally on the Saturday, I called the place back because I had ordered them to come in and I canceled the order. I was like, I can't, can't buy golf clubs. Like when things are tanking like this, <laughs> So anyways, it was scary. And what we had to do, I know that probably mostly a lot of worship leaders are, are listening to this. And so this is just more some, you know, some business realities is we just had to hunker down. And, and what we did is we built a red light, orange light, yellow light kind of scenarios because we, we made an Excel sheet and we projected our sort of business flow out over the next eight months. And we thought this is worst case scenario. This is mid case scenario and, you know, moderate case. And so suddenly, even within a week, I felt this peace of mind is because I knew what the worst would look like. And we had made, um, created decisions of this is what we would do. This is who we would have to pare back or let go or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we built all these scenarios and then we just kind of walked it. And for the most part, we ended up, we dipped into the red zone, but then we were more into like the orange-ish color, if you want to call it that, to use the analogy. And uh, and then we had all these developments because we had been working on a major renovation of praise charts that was still at the time about four or five months out. And I had a lot of money still to invest and time and team and you know, this whole development team that we had hired. And I uh, did to, to decide, are we still going to go forward with this or not? So yeah, for a couple of weeks, we calmed the engines down and then just decided that basically philosophically, and we're still in this mode, even to this day, we decided we're just going to press forward and be here stronger than ever when we come out of this tunnel. So that's kind of like where we're at today. We launched the new praise charts, as many people may have seen in early December. Never had so many complaints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. People hated it. 
like I'm sure lots of people loved it, but lots of people were writing, this site sucks. I want the old site back. Why did you change this? You know, where's this feature? I can't find that. And all these things. So, man, we spent December just backpedaling. It's like, oh, how do we fix? Oh, yikes. Oh, we forgot that. And anyways, even up to just yesterday, we're still constantly rolling little fixes, trying to address. I mean, I had one customer yesterday, God bless his soul, but they called and they're like, I hate the new website. I want all my credits back. I am. I want full refund. I am out of here. <laughs> so I'm like, oh God, help me, please. Anyways, so that's think, kind of the reality of it. I think that's kind of the natural. It, it is funny. One of the things that we got, we we updated our site about a year ago, and you know, we had we had built it in like 2010 or 2011, something like that. So, I mean, it was very, like, that was before, like, you know, when I remember us talking about, do we need a mobile version? It was like, who would even do that on this tiny phone? Like, you can't even, you wouldn't even be able to see the sheet music, you know? And then now yeah. it's like, that's what everybody looks at our site on. So we were, we were kind of overdue for needing to do that. We're a small team, so it's quite the project. And, uh, and when we did it, I mean, I was just like, this is infinitely better. And immediately, <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, there was nothing wrong with the old site. Why did you change this? Why did you like, what do you mean there was nothing wrong with the old site? It was like, I it didn't know. work on half the devices. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. But, you know, on Internet Explorer, it was really rocking, oh. you know, <laughs> like on my Windows. Windows 90, I'm on Windows 95 <laughs> and this is not working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. and, and, you know, I think people warm to it. And and obviously there's the 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 adaptation, right. Where you go like, Oh yeah, we did, we did miss that thing. Or like, I didn't realize people were using the site this way, you know, like yeah. it, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to me. I mean, we're such a, we're such a digital website, you know, it's like we have our tabs and that kind of stuff and that's all digital. And like people, a few people would ask us for like, Hey, can we make these printable? And it was like, sure. We, you know, but we didn't think anybody would, it was like, that's not really what we're dis like. That's not our, like you guys okay. are like, here, here's your chart and, or here's your yeah. app or whatever. And you can view your charts, however you do it. Yeah. Like we're more like learn the stuff and the charts are just kind of auxiliary. Maybe you need this if you can't quite see what's going on, but it's like shocking yeah. how many people were like, no, I need to print and I need to do all these things. And like, well, what? Oh, okay. I guess, you know, right. <laughs> I feel like you might be yeah. using it wrong or, but, <laughs> but who am I to say like our job is to please the people like to serve the people that are using our stuff. Right. So Right. It is. Yeah. A, well, what I think your site is beautiful. And listen. I think your new site is beautiful. I. Uh, oh, thank you. Hopped on there. And... Uh, we've kind of realized that most people that like something, they just come in, get their stuff, get out, and they just, you know, like Praise Starts isn't. Uh, it's not like a uh, an art gallery for them where they come and want to observe the beauty. They just want their music. Right. So, and that's ultimately what we want is is I'm very inspired by just helping people dig deep and wide into such an expansive, radiant catalog of music. Like, I love songs like Graves to Gardens and Waymaker and, you know, things like that. But there are more songs, you know, in the world than these huge, great songs that are out there right now. I want to take people down and deep and into the nuances of, you know, modern hymns and contemporary hymns and, songs for all different kinds of themes and and settings or moments i loved that word kind of came up a little while ago about just trying to like usher in the right kind of songs for the right kind of moments mm -hmm. and having people you know discover that so that's really what we're what we're about so now, how, so how do you, that's I, I love that because i know for myself yeah. as a worship leader yes you have these these big songs which we've talked on the podcast before about how you know, when you're aiming for like that overarching song, that's like the hit record song that yeah. like everyone yeah. can grab onto, that's only yeah. going to be the, the, the topic of that song is going to be pretty narrow in terms of what right. everyone can just go. Yes. Jesus died for me. Like, okay. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent on board. We can, that song can be huge, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. but right. there's so many, I mean, if you look at the Psalms, there's so many other things to express in song and in worship and trying to find artists and songs that do that in that right moment and, and are able to grab 
okay, that's, that's great that we were able to sing this one big truth, but let's also be able to talk about grieving or let's be able to talk about, um, repentance or like, like there's so many other things, but those don't get thrown at us a ton. So how do you, a, how do you find that stuff? And B, what are you, what are, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. Well, um, interesting about me personally is I, I, culturally I'm a Mennonite brethren. So I don't know if anybody knows even what a Mennonite brethren is, but kind of like a Baptist, it's just a, you know, just an average community church kind of person who just believes in community life and grace and, you know, kind of God working in a, in a community like that. So, so, but then I've gone to Pentecostal churches, independent charismatic churches, alliance churches. Like I have this sort of broad breadth. I'm not ultra committed to like one way. So already deep inside of me, I feel like I've got a, like an affinity towards quite a variety of different songs and different expressions. So I love like Bethel and Elevation, but I also love Getty and I love seeing what Sovereign Grace is doing. And I know that technically some of the, even the theologies of those two camps might not, you know, there might be a little bit of friction between them, but I love that Praise Charts gets to be a place where we just give platform to such a rich variety of expression. And I'm really personally kind of in a mode right now where uh, it's important to like believe something authentically, but not, not hold it to be like, I am, I have found the truth, you know, and this is the way, and these are the songs and this song says it and that song doesn't or something. So I kind of just have an appreciation for, just the it's like in the scripture where it talks about we we see Christ you know through a glass dimly that kind of like just to know that through worship songs we're trying our best to express something that's way more complex than a melody or a lyric can ever really grab onto so so that kind of lends itself to just such rich you know variety I guess in in this um music and worship world. And that's also why I love the fact that there's constantly new music written. Like there's never enough songs being written. There's always room for another one, you know? So as far as my favorites, well, um, I just like one song that comes to mind that is an old classic, but it's been brought kind of new in the last couple of years is how deep the father's love. I was just Mm -hmm. watching a video of you guys training and I think it was Austin stone. They kind of like refreshed that, but I'm really close friends with uh, Keith Getty. I Keith didn't write the song, but that's kind of like in his world of, you know, the modern hymn kind of, you know, genre. So I, I love and appreciate what, what those guys are doing, um, even just sort of swirling over a little bit to the Getty world is just hearing the, the passion and the vision that Keith has personally, as he has shared with me to write songs that will just outlive 2021, you know, and just having a vision to be like, it's not like he's trying to be the next Charles Wesley, but he's trying to help inspire like a hundred new Charles Wesley's, you know, they've got this whole songwriting community that they they're just now building this hymn writing where they're training, literally training up dozens or hundreds of hymn writers. So that's super inspiring to me. I, I do also love watching when I watch, um, Brandon, why is his last name escaping me? But the, the Bethel and elevation guy, Help me out. Uh, or you're going to have to he's delete in, he's in both? He's in both? Yeah. Well, he shows up in all the videos. Anyways, the long-haired guy that uh, graves the gardens. Come on. Oh, oh it's uh, just uh, so uh, embarrassing. Oh, man. Brandon, you're right. It's Brandon. <laughs> Dang it. Cut I met him. Out. I met Cut him. In, out of the podcast. It, I met him in Nashville. It was really cool, actually. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts now. I have to look it up. Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. Yeah. yeah. Brandon <laughs> there you go. It's funny because I actually, I was out in Nashville. What was I even doing there? I was there for something. Oh, uh, what, what? I don't even remember what I was there for. Anyway, they all blend together. But 
I actually got to meet him because I was went over to David Leonard's studio just to say hi. And, you know, I, I, I told him he was, he was actually working on his first solo record and I, or David was, and I was like, Hey man, the last time I was in your studio and you showed me a song, you showed me great. Are you Lord? So, you know, bar's pretty high. Like we've <laughs> got some expense, you know, expectation here. But yeah. Brandon was actually in there recording a song with them at that moment. So I'd never heard of yeah. him before and he didn't really have anything out. And I was just like, man, this dude can sing. I'll tell you what I like about Brandon specifically. And this goes back to our initial conversation is I feel like every time I watch him or hear him, I don't know what to expect because it's always going to be something different. Like he could go from the thrasher, you know, thrasher worship, heavy metal type song where his hair is bopping all over the place to the most intimate um, acoustic guitar song to, well, this House of Miracles, I was just listening to that this morning, and it feels like it's out of a children's movie, you know, <laughs> with the Glinkenspiel or whatever that, you know, bell thing is that comes out. And it just makes you feel like you're surrounded by a bunch of six-year-olds who are raising their hands and worshiping. So I just love that you don't know what to expect. And I'm sure it comes from an authentic place from him where he's just like, I'm not trying to be like anyone else. I'm just... I'm just doing what God pours in my heart and pouring it out. And, and I'm super inspired by that. So, well, I, yeah, I love that about, you know, just, just in general, I feel like as I, I love your approach of the whole thing of, of kind of being able to serve these different areas. Cause I have a very similar background minus the Mennonite yeah. brethren, but, okay. but, uh, <laughs> but I, my church currently is, is Christian reformed, which is, Anyway, right. neither here nor yeah. there. But the point being is I've been in very, in like the more vineyardy type things all the way back to yeah. like, like gospel, all, you know, just kind of the whole breadth. And I see amazing things in all those. And so to actually be able to, to pull from those and have it all still speak to this amazing God that we serve and like teach mm -hmm. us about different aspects of him by just the words that we use and the different approaches, I think is so powerful. But it's funny with Brandon because we, we did this song, This Is a Move. And I and I saw I remember seeing the album cover, and it's like big yellow letters, and his hair is like flying, and he's got this kind of like <laughs> like almost like mean mug thing on it. I was like, oh man, this yeah. thing's gonna be tense, intense. And like, yeah. what is this gonna be? And then it was just like, This is a move. <laughs> like it's like the <laughs> softest. I was like, this this is like a trick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like bait yeah. and switch. You weren't expecting it. Yeah. So that is the beauty. The beauty of worship is, you know, there's so much variety and we don't have to lock into one way and there's many different worlds to dip into. And I think, I think it's great when people feel the freedom to be like, you know, have a Getty song and then an old hymn and then a Bethel song and find a way to bring it together and, you know, musically and sonically tie it together with whatever your band is, is I think it's, it's wonderful. So how, so going back to the question, so you guys have just, I mean, you've just reorganized your whole website. Like I said, it's beautiful. I went and checked it out. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do people find those other songs? Because the ones that were, I mean, for us at Worship Artistry, you know, I have a heart to bring in. Like sometimes we do songs. I remember you're like, man, that's a great way to lose money. But there's certain songs that we that we're like, you know, we're just gonna do a lesson and we're gonna push it out. And I know that this is not a huge song, but I just think it's important, you know, like yeah. it's a it's a pet project. Um, because it takes us a lot to make a lesson, right? But for the most part, you know, our top five hundred songs are going to be, you know, pretty in line with yours in terms of mainly because we look at your list and go, Okay, what's 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 happening? What do we got? Uh if we're gonna put if we're gonna invest time, let's go to Ryan Dahl. Yeah. Um but uh, you know, like we, we have to, we have to make those choices. How do you, how do you find those other, those more underground pieces? Like, do you have any lists or anything that you go, Hey, here's, here's a great bunch of hymns or here's some kind of under the radar stuff that's worth checking out. Like, do you guys do any, um, almost, I, I hate to use this word, but it's the only one that's popping in my head. Like, like you know, like in the in the worship world, there's like tastemakers, and I put that in big quotes. But it's the like yeah. somebody that comes along and goes, "This is good." Do you guys? Yeah. And I and I know that that's not your main goal, but do you guys do any of that? Is there a place for me to go on there and go? I need some different music 
then I need to something, I need something other than elevation. I need something different. Is there a place for me to find that? Well, hopefully there are hundreds of places like that's all the different song lists that we have now are, you know, based on all different kinds of themes and genres and styles and tempos. And so all of that information gets put into the database. And then these song lists that we have made, where we'll pick like a specific tempo or key signature or theme or something like that, we'll draw that out of create a, a database query for that. And then it's constantly looking for songs. And even one of the queries in the, in these, you know, in the database query is looking into the lyrics for certain, you know, themes that will come out. So then once I make that song list, that's based on a query that's recycling every day with fresh music, then I just need to keep putting in new music into praise charts and then make sure to put the lyrics in and put the tempo and all that stuff. And then it's like there's this dynamic exchange that goes on that no person is making. It's just elevating. Uh, songs are just kind of like trickling to the top because then we also have hugely kind of complex formulas that determine what song should be at the top of the list versus the bottom. And basically it's kind of like, well, if there was a lot of action in the last five days, then let's bring it more to the top of the list. But then, you know, the action that happened two weeks ago or a month ago or three months ago, well, that's like less valuable because we're just trying to reflect the current wave. It's almost like all of the worship leaders out there that use praise charts is like a wave coming into the shore and it sort of rises and falls. And we just want to catch the wave kind of right when it crashes. And I also like that praise charts is new and fresh and kind of different if not every day, you know, every week you can come in and it's like the same song lists, but there's new songs flowing through. So personally, myself and a couple other people on our team were looking everywhere. We got publishers sending us songs. We're going into Spotify just like everyone else is. I go to like New Music Friday. I'm sure everybody else, you know, maybe uses the uh, list like that or looks there, but it's a place where you can discover new music. Then I go from a song and I look at, well, what are what other artists do people like that are kind of like that artist? And I just sort of dabble and, and then I'll throw emails to our development team and be like, hey, we let's try this song. Let's try that song. And and then we have a way, just taking you into a little bit of the engines of, of praise charts and how it works is we just make a chord chart or post a chord chart which doesn't cost us a lot of money. It's a fairly low investment to be able to just see if there's an uptick on it. And the the beautiful thing is that most of the time, we're not grabbing on to the, the big, huge songs. We're just gra- trying to grab onto songs that just have just enough traction that, um, you know, there's enough people that would want the song to sustain making it worthwhile to make the chord chart. And if there's a little bit more traction, then we'll make a lead sheet and it just kind of keeps progressing. And if there's a lot of traction, we'll make an orchestration. Trust me, most of the songs in praise charts, you'd be surprised sell maybe 10 times a year. We have thousands of songs that sell five times, two times, one time. And what that says is, is we live in kind of like a niche world of, Everybody's got unique interests, unique moments, unique settings, unique theological leanings and all of that. And so we don't have to just go after the the big, giant, popular song. We can pursue these different little spaces. Like I like Cornhole, you know, that's a niche thing. (laughs) I know that most people listening are like, would this guy stop talking about Cornhole? But the thing about that (laughs) is we all have something that we love and we're passionate about that's super quirky. And I just want to encourage people like you, Jason, maybe we should talk about what's your quirky interest, but we've all got them. And it's like, I didn't even want to share, you know, that I really like, you know, spinning pink tops on my table. (laughs) I like to dress up as care bears. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
this is this is the truth of this new world. The internet's kind of opened it up because you can find other people that have that same quirky interest, and then have the boldness to be like, I don't care if you think I'm a nerd or you know weird or I like I like bricks and wood and steel and that kind of office thing. And most other people don't care about that, but. I just want to encourage you to be you, you know, and I'll just be me and let's hear each other's stories and let's talk about interesting things, right? About the little interests that we all have. Let's appreciate things about each other. So, so uh, yeah, all, all kind of like a parallel into the song world is there's so many songs of little interests, little nuances, uh, purposes, moments, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's such, it is such a unique world. I think a lot of times, you know, when people talk about, you know, a lot of times you get kind of, you know, sometimes we'll put out, you know, ads or whatever. And it's like, learn to play worship music. And people are like, why? It's just four chords. You know, like, and you're like, it, you know what? It's not. First of all, I can show you a whole lot of songs that are not four chords. We do. Yeah. We do have a whole collection called four chords and the truth, but that's not most oh. of the songs. It's hard to find ones to put in there. Um, yeah. But you know, there, there is such variation. And a lot of times like that comes from that sense that there's not a lot of variety out there comes from a lack of actually looking, you know, it's, it's just kind of taking what hits you rather than actually going and searching out. And, you know, I found there's like, you know, I love stuff like Sandra McCracken or, um, uh, what's Mm -hmm. her name? Bifrost arts. Like there's all these, like, I, I like the more indie, kind of right. feel kind of thing. It fits me. I can sing those songs better. These songs that start like at a low octave and then jump to a high octave. I'm like, I'm out. Can't do it. Right. I'm not a good enough yeah. singer. You know, I'm so glad that there are a lot of people that can, I'm just not that guy, you know, but yeah. you know, those don't, those don't pop up in CCLI, you know, you're not going right. to see like top 100, uh, you know, so, so actually being able to spend the time and a little bit of effort, like, it pays off. I'm always looking for worship music that I feel like I can worship with, you know? And I think sometimes, you know, especially teaching lessons, you're, you're so focused on the big songs that you're like, I get, I'm, I'm exhausted from them after I arrange the whole thing and teach the whole thing and edit the whole thing, you know? So I'm like, I'm looking for something different and something that I can connect with without having that ear that's going, well, how's, okay, how are they going to, how am I going to arrange that? Oh my gosh, that's this big part. You know, you just think about it really differently. And so the stuff is out there. It's just a matter of, uh, of going and finding it. So, well, you'll be glad to know, Jason, literally just yesterday I made, I programmed and made designed a a song list called top indie songs. And I'll tell you what the formula was the top songs that can't be by any of these 30 different artists. So no elevation, no Bethel, no, you know, all of the big, you can't be Chris Tomlin, can't be Brandon Lake, all these kind of things. I just like swatted all of them out. And then I'm like, <laughs> so what rises to the top now? Right. And awesome. I called that indie worship. So you could search it up right now on phrase charts if you want and be like, okay, let's see. Let's see when you sort of like clear away all the big guys, which we all love and appreciate them, but let's make some room so that something else can, you know, percolate to the top you know though but for the indie crowd you probably shouldn't tell them you wrote a math formula you should tell them that like i (laughs) i crafted this list while drinking craft coffee and pulling from my old mixtapes and then i took them in my old burn cds and then i put them together on this playlist (laughs) they're all analog it all came directly from (laughs) yeah that's the true story you can (laughs) cut that out cut this part out where i was telling the real story and just put that in there that's that's, that's fantastic. Man. Well, I'm going to go check out that list. I hope uh, everybody goes and checks out that list. Check out praisecharts.com. It is, um, it's a beautiful website. Don't complain. <laughs> if you go and you don't Please. like it, then you don't like beautiful things. Send, I don't know what to tell Jason you. Send Jason an email. <laughs> yes, send me. Preferably in yeah. all caps and maybe bright red. <laughs> See what you can do. Well, Ryan, thanks all so right. much for being on here, man. It's always a joy to talk to you. I always walk away. Uh, so much more filled up. You fill my bucket, man. It's always great to oh, have wow. you. Oh, wow. We have a good friendship, and I really appreciate it. We're like 20 minutes apart, but there's a big giant border that's in between us. So Gonna be there using will be that no Nexus sharing pass. coffee together. As soon as they let us in, I'm, bringing my, I'm coming right. up with my Nexus Pass. All right. Do it. Great to see you. I think it's hilarious that I now have a friend 
Like, like, if, like, it, I, I don't fit in the worship instruction or music world because I, we have Ryan Dahl over Praise Charts. We've got Brian Wall over doing the the guitar patches, and then there's Jason Houtsma. <laughs> it it should actually be Roll Dahl would be the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wall. Talk about a brilliant artist, though. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it, man. <laughs> it's interesting. I was actually watching a uh, an interview with Gene Wilder, and you know who played Char- who played uh, Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and mm-hmm. just how they were talking about how there was like a certain darkness to that movie. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. if you remember that, like him them going through the tunnel and all these like psychedelic visions and stuff, and it's like yeah. that was a kids' movie. It's like, crazy, yeah, but man. that was always kind of the edge, right? There was always kind of that balance between like light and darkness. And we, you know, more modern things have a tendency to be more black and white and like older totally. stuff. Older stuff, they were way edgier. Absolutely. Do you remember Annie? Did you watch Annie the movie? Yeah, long time yeah, ago. So, yeah, the woman that was looking after all those kids that were like orphans, she's a complete drunk. <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing. And you just look at that and you go, wow, this is crazy. You'd never have that in a modern movie, you know? <laughs> totally. totally. Well, that's how everybody was back then, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all moms were drunk all the time. I mean, every you ever watch those old movies? They just they always have like alcohol in, in like, they have a whole setup of, of like glass carafes or whatever they are, decanters. Yeah, yes. just just always sitting out there. Doesn't matter what time of day. It's like nine a.m. They're like, "You want a drink?" Sure. What's that movie? There's a TV show that was uh, set. It's in the advertising world. That was set in the fifties. That Mad, I just Mad Men. Mad Men. Yeah, that's got that in it. Where everyone's drinking, no kids are driving around, no seatbelts on. It's just awesome, and, and and like people smoking in the car and all that, and in the office, it's <laughs> it's just it's really clever the way they put that together, like to feel like exactly that time frame. Anyway, yeah, man. So, roll doll. <laughs> Roll Dahl, Ryan Dahl, Praise Charts. Uh, you know, Brian hope, Wall. Hopefully, yeah, Brian Wall and uh, Daniel Ornelas. It's, it's, <laughs> Jason Hasma. Fits, fits right in there. Good to go. Well, uh, Perfect. if you want a place to fit in, you can go head over to worshipartistry.com where you can go learn a bunch of songs. And uh, it, ex- partial, it exists partially because Ryan Dahl was so helpful in the, in the early days. And so you can go see kind of some of his legacy there. You can learn these tunes. They sound like the record and, uh, and you can get better at your instrument. It's a great time. We now have vocals, super rad. You can check it all out. Um, if you don't want to do that, you can always just give us a review on iTunes. We'd almost be as happy with that. Not quite, mm-hmm. not quite, but almost. <laughs> but we'll, we'll give you a thumbs up. We would love to have you do that. Please go check it out. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.